This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network and Maj Don are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy, sell, short, cover securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value if we are long and fall if we are short. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Avoiding the Crowd podcast with Maj Swaydan. I am the uh, producer of the show, Robert Kraft from SNN Podcast Network, and your host is here. And we have a guest. We got a host. We got a guest. This is a big week. And uh, so we got Maj Swaydan, your host from geoinvesting.com. Maj, tell the people what they want to know. Hey, hey, Bobby, thank you today for having, doing this today. And I'm um, glad we have Dan here today, Dan Shum, to uh, – Join us today. That's right. Yeah, that's took my job. Good. I was going to introduce him, but okay, oh, yeah, that was good. No, I like that. That was good. Really we got special, to... special place in my heart. I, mean, we have to... I don't know if this will be a great podcast in terms of different differential insights. But we both believe in the same thing here. <laughs> so you know, it's a lot of arguing. There'll be a lot of yeah, you're right, you're right kind of thing going on. But... I guess yeah. I'll, I'll. All right, fine. I'll play the devil's advocate at a certain point. But here, let me give uh, let me give some context here. We actually in the last episode on avoiding the crowd, we uh, we did an episode where Maj talked about an investing experience in a dark stock, and we thought it'd be fun to continue the conversation with uh, one of the best in the business and uh, you know, good friend of the podcast. He's been on a couple times. I interviewed him on Planet Microcap, and uh, we thought we'd bring him on here to, to talk some more dark stocks. So with that, we got Dan Shum from No Name Stocks, and uh, I'll let you two take it from here. Enough hearing from me. Let's let's hear from the pros. I'm, I'm out. Well, Dan, this is awesome, Dan. I mean, I'm glad you made this, and I was like, I think a short notice. Um, yeah. And uh, I've always really, really, really wanted to talk to you. We've been talking back and forth on Twitter, you know, here and there over the years, and and I would, I, would, I would come across a dark stock I own, like, God, this guy owned it before me, like a long time before me. <laughs> I'm probably buying it from him. <laughs> so, but it's, it's, it was great to see that there, you know, you're, you're basically champion kind of the, the cost that there's, there is quality in these darker OTC companies. There is for and, sure. And um, it should be fun talking about today. I have some, some things I want to dig into with you a little bit. And I know you've, you've been on a lot of podcasts and I want to try and make it, um, I apologize if I asked you questions that you might have asked before, but I think it's always good for people to hear hear who you are and we, as you keep getting you know more popular out there and casting the water net. So, and we'll we'll go through that. But um, yeah, so man, thanks for being here, man. This is awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I listened to that that episode when I saw uh, I saw Bobby LinkedIn on Twitter and I saw thought oh I know that name PCHM like man I, I remember that ticker. And then I searched back through my emails and stuff. And I was like, oh, shoot. Like, I, bought, I passed up on that. <laughs> so there was one, at least I got you on there. Yeah, you for sure got it. I was like, I passed it up at 50 cents. And then up at like a buck, someone someone emailed me about it. and was like, you got to check this out. It's, uh, and, and I passed it again. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, but, you know, it's amazing. Though, like, you know, a lot of these OTC companies, you know, when we say to ourselves, we keep passing up, passing up. But a lot of them get better and better if they're the right company. So, yeah. I know I, I originally started buying it like around 10 cents or maybe even five cents. And then my, my last buy was around two bucks. So 
I think I heard you talk about that one time on one of your um, one of your podcasts. I went back and listened to a few of them, and you had kind of talked about how sometimes these these good stocks just get, keep getting better and better. And you know, you're building your your bigger your biggest part of your position is not initial build; it's later when they prove they can do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure that happens. So, um, tell, you know, so just give us a little background on yourself, Daniel. Tell us a little bit about how you started. I know you were you know engineer. Mm-hmm. So kind of start out as a part-time gig. Um, you're married with, some, with kids, right? Yeah. Yep. So why don't you just give us some background and we'll, and we'll, we'll just play it by ear from there. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, so I'm 40. I'm an engineer, full-time engineer. Um, I, I got started in, in stocks um, about eight years ago, almost eight years now. And, um, yeah, I'm married. I got a wife, three kids. And so I support everyone with my, my salary. And uh, growing up, like I had no real um, interaction with anything financial. You know, my parents, I didn't know anyone, no family members were into like stock market or anything. And it was very like, I had a pretty religious upbringing, like Catholic school, Catholic high school. And it wasn't like the pursuit of money wasn't really something that uh, was talked about much. Right. So I just never really thought about it. And I got out of school and doing engineering. Uh, my major is electrical engineering and um, was doing that for years. And but then I was working for this startup in L.A. like in um, about eight years ago, like I said, and then the company went under. So we went the company just like ran out of money, went bankrupt. And at that time, I had my wife had stopped working to take care of the kids. We had two kids and we were living in L.A. and we had to pick up and move to San Diego. Um which is not that bad, right? Moving to the beach, but like, it just, um, it really showed how much we're dependent on my salary. And so I thought like, I, I need to start doing something besides just working because it could happen again. And I don't want to have to make my kids move and my wife move again. So I just started reading books and um, I got like an audiobook subscription. My wife had got me for Christmas. And so I started, just started listening to like, I listened to like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I, rich, I listened to Jim Cramer like some Mary Buffett books, Susie Orman, you know, just all kinds of stuff. And like the, the Mary Buffett books started making sense. And then I started looking online and I started finding some blogs. Like I found Old School Value, which um, Jay Jun ran. And that one had lists of books that I started reading and it had, it had links to different blogs. So I started following other blogs. Um, it was around that time. So that was after a few months of just like pretty heavy reading that I bought my first stocks. And my first stocks really came from this like Mary Buffett books about Warren Buffett. So they were these like, you know, Union Pacific and like Wells Fargo, these like giant companies that had been around for for a hundred years, right? Durable, competitive advantage, that whole deal. And it was what I was like comfortable with because I didn't know anything else, but I I could at least recognize the company and imagine they would still exist 10 years from now. Right, right. Um, You know, that kind of thing. So, but then, I started reading more and more of these blogs and I found like OTC adventures and I found um, Whopper investments, you know, Andrew Walker used to have that. That one was great. Um, I found oddball stocks and like I started reading and these guys like they would find these companies that looked so cheap. And, and here I was owning like these giant like Microsoft and stuff. And I just started like following the news. I just started thinking like, how can I compete with all these people? You know, on Microsoft, if you look on on Seeking Alpha, there would just be like 10 articles a day, you know, or like there'd be so many and these people would have insights and they're looking at the suppliers and they're looking at the raw materials. And I was just like, how can I even compete with these guys? And so I started looking more towards 
just like, where is there less competition? And then, you know, I'm following these other guys on these blogs and they're finding stuff that looks so cheap and just looks so good. And I thought like, I'm just going to keep going in that direction. And so that's what I did. So eventually like I sold out of these big companies and I just started um, going more and more small stuff. And so, a, lot of, a lot of times you'll hear that um, when, when people get started, they talk about, hey, well, they got invested and they had a, you know, a bad experience. But I don't think your experience was horrible, right? When you first, when you, on your first well, box you bought in the, in the OTC, right? No, it was actually the first one I bought was um, Infusys, I-N-F-U, which has gone, you know that one? It's gone real high this year. I don't own it anymore. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And, and Infusion, yeah, like they, like they sell home home healthcare, Infusion pump kind of devices. Yeah, yeah, uh, these pumps. So they like- A distributor, right, yeah. Jay, Jay wrote it up when the stock was at like 80 cents or something. This was like, you know, eight years ago. No, I don't know, six, seven years ago. It was at like 80 cents or something. I bought it and it spiked up to- I don't know, almost double or something. And so I sold it. And so I had this great experience with this little company. It was because the the chairman, Ryan something, this guy had taken over. Morris? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he, was, he, has, he was doing some active stuff back then, I think. Yeah. yeah, he was. So he had just got in and he had bought a large stake and he had got himself onto the board and Jay wrote it up and it just sounded good. So I bought into that. And it was a good experience because like I made money, but also just like the news flow it was easy to follow because there was no, like there wasn't a lot of news coming out. Like I remember there was one article that came out on seeking alpha. And so for me being like this full time, you know, I I have this other job, so I can't be looking at stocks and reading articles and stuff all day. Um, It was easier to follow that than like these big companies that it seems like people are like, how can you get ahead? Cause there's so many people, so many eyeballs, you know? And I also, I started at a good time, like stocks were moving up. So like I I bought these big companies and I sold out of them after a few months and it was basically flat. Like maybe I made 5% or something, but um, going small is where I started doing better for sure. Did you, so when you were, when you made a decision, did you actually liquidate all of your big cap companies or, and just decide to go all in? Well, I, yeah, I did actually at one point. Yeah. Cause I, so I had, I started off, I was reading these books, right? And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, yeah, that's not for me. Like that guy's in a real estate and running a company. And like, I, I don't want to do that. And then, um, you know, Jim Cramer, I read and he's just like all over the place. But at least I started learning like what's a P.E. ratio, uh, you know, what's common stock, what's preferred, like this kind of stuff. And um, so I started at least um, at least going towards like moving towards stocks and then when I, when I got comfortable enough to buy, actually buy something was after these Mary Buffett books, when she talked about some of these Warren Buffett companies, why he owned them and stuff. So she laid out like he had some method, or at least she said he had this method of like averaging. What was it? It was like you take the lowest PE multiple of the last five years and you project that out 10 years with average growth from the last 10 years or something like that. And, and this is your conservative estimate. So I thought, okay, there's a formula. I'm an engineer. I can buy some stocks with that, right? <laughs> And, but, but there were these giant companies. And then once I, but I still like, she talked about his whole like forever holding period, right? His like favorite holding period is forever. He never wants to sell, which is just like complete BS. Right. It's like, what (laughs) what am I going to do with a stock when I'm like 80, you know, like. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not that good anyway. Stock anyway, the way I could do that and get away with it. (laughs) No, yeah, exactly. And like, so. So, but I held these stocks for a while and then I kept reading and I found this F Wall Street um, 
this book that, that Jay Jun recommended. And he laid out like it was DCF, but it was the first time that I saw this formula for like selling too. And he, that stuff started making more sense. And then reading that and reading Jay's site, I just thought like, I shouldn't be in these big companies. And so like one day I like sold out of all of them and I just started moving more and more like small down this, down this route and following, like, that's when I really started following. I started reading through like old, like Dave Waters posts on OTC adventures, just like reading the old stuff from a few years ago and looking through all that. And it was, um, I started my blog, like, I don't know, after I had been investing for like two years and it was, it was because like, I, I, I like followed these companies, but I only followed them and I only owned them really based on someone else's thesis. So somebody would would do a write up and I would like it. And so I'd print that PDF and save it on my computer, right? Like, oh, this is a good article. And, and that's why I would own it. And I have to refer back to that to even know why I owned it, right? You got to remind yourself like why, like the price moved. I don't know if I should sell or not. And I would look back at the article and it was like someone asked me, like I, I followed some message boards and I responded to someone about some stock I liked, uh, Greystone Logistics, which I own now. Um, mm -hmm. they, do, they do these uh, plastic pallets, recycled pallets. And someone asked me something about it and I started typing up a response to them. But then as I started typing, I started like writing more and more. And I, I was like realizing like, oh, this could be like a longer write-up. And so I went on Jay's site. He, he used to have this message board on old school value, like a forum. And I posted my write-up of Greystone Logistics on there. And so that was my very first write-up. And it really helped me to know the company because I had never looked that deeply before because of what I did before was just follow other people's ideas. And, and this was the first time that I really like knew the company and why I owned it and knew like more and more about it because you know, once you write about it, you have to be able to defend yourself to people who ask you, ask you questions or people who say like, that's wrong. It's, it's not going to work, whatever. Um, and that, and that's funny. Cause I mean, one of the questions I was going to ask you was how do you build your conviction? And you know, and something that social media and blogging has done for us all, I think has helped us do that to be able to write, write and think critically. Cause you have to, you're going to, you're putting everything on line there. So it teaches us to think, you know, with the convictions that was, did you interview? Did you, did you actually interview companies at all? I'm down curious because I mean, did you interview Warren Kruger at the time? Not Kruger, but his CFO. Um, what was that guy's name? I can't remember the guy's name. The CFO I talked to quite a few times, and that was like that was the first time I contacted management. Awesome. So you remember doing that? And uh, was there a? Did you know how that was going to go? <laughs> no, I like you know I followed some. I forget who. I forget who I, I was following that talked about contacting management, but I thought I, I would. At the time, there was these rumors about like, so they do these pallets and their major, their major customer was like Miller Coors. And there was this rumor about Anheuser-Busch coming in with a big contract. And so, right. and at that time, and so I was trying to find like what information I could. So I, I wrote up some questions and I emailed them to the CFO and he responded with answers and i was just like floored you know like here's this guy responding to me i owned like you know i mean a tiny number of shares right because i was just investing like a portion of my retirement like a little bit to get my feet wet and and he responded and then i responded back and he like gave me answers and he was one of the guys actually he started talking about stuff he really probably shouldn't be talking about but like it was 
Was, was, were you there when they tried to go private? Did you buy it? Was that after or before you, that? Event? That's how. That's actually how I found it. I was that's searching right. for. I was searching for these go private like odd lot arb, arb opportunities, mm-hmm. and I found. I was like googling reverse merger or something, and I found it. But it. But that was from the year prior. So I had come in after that. So when you're uh, when you uh, interviewed, um, you're, you're, how, how did you prepare for the interview? Was it a situation where you had a lot of questions? Was it more paying than a call and have a conversation? I try to be, so I, I don't talk to management all the time. Like it's not something I, I have to do as part of my process. It's pretty rare. Probably now I used to do it more like a few years ago, but I like to be prepared. Like, you know, generally in life and also when interviewing, like, I think they'll give you the time of day if they think that you're prepared and you're treating them with respect and like you have good questions and you're not just like you know, wasting their time trying to get the what's next quarter's EPS kind of Absolutely, thing. Right? Right. So, so what I did with him, was it Labar, Larry Labar? Maybe, I don't know. Um, I, I only had, talk, had talked to war, uh, Mr. Kruger at the time, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah I never talked to him. But anyway, so I, I, I sent him an email with like 10 questions or something like that, like bullet points. Like, I, you know, I'm a shareholder. Um, I would really appreciate if you could answer these, if you want to talk, like, here's my cell number. And I think he and I corresponded mostly on email. We did talk on the phone some, but like, I found good results by sending in questions like that. Rather- uh, on your, on your, um, back to your blog again, uh, you have, you have a section where you talk about some of the books. I didn't see one up on Wall Street there, or maybe I missed it. it broke one my heart. <laughs> Tell me why you don't like Peter Lynch. <laughs> I, just, I just haven't got there. I, I do. I do want to read that. That's on my list, but no, I haven't read that one. Okay, good. Well, there's a chance. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I like. Yeah, for the first probably the first two or three years, I was reading a book a month or or so, and it's it's less anymore. Um, but yeah, yeah that's, that's a great, great point because you can get to an Amrit and Allah. There's so much stuff out there that you can just go in so many directions, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. like I, I felt like I got to the point where it's like I, I read all these books. So I read like all of Warren Buffett's letters, right? Like I read all the Graham stuff. Um, I read Greenblatt. I read Klarman. Like you read all these things and you end up hearing the same things over and over again. It's like, what, what am I doing? So, so I also like I've read a bunch of charting books. Um, you know, and then it's just kind of like, you got to experience it. So then I spend more of my time reading reports and, and that. So I found uh, interesting about you, Dan, was that, you know, I, I love this whole, like not being, not fitting into a box. And I think, I don't think you don't really call yourself a valuable investor. You have different, you have, you look at lots of different things and you'll, you'll, you won't invest in certain things, but you seem to have an open mind and, you know, you're not just looking at a pure kind of value investing approach. Um, so maybe talk about your approach a little bit and, you know, why you don't block yourself in and what that's allowed you to become. Yeah. So um, I, 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 that's exactly right. Like I, when I started out, I thought I was this value investor, right? I thought I was Warren Buffett and I was going to have this concentrated five stock portfolio. And, um, you know, th- then I ended up losing a bunch of money with a, with a big holding. Um, and, and I thought this is, this is not me. And what I tried to do um, is like combine different good ideas that I think make sense. Like a lot of, I think a lot of people, they, they talk about themselves as a value investor and they, but they spend too much time just trying to be like analytical and sound smart and sound correct and like read all these texts. And, 
Like how Ibada rolls off your tongue, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but and and they'll just totally discount, like say, oh, technical analysis is is nothing. It's it's like complete, like um, it's magic. It's vaporware. It's it doesn't work. But it's it's not true. It's like you know, looking at charts. I do I do a lot. Like the first thing, if you give me an idea, why don't you check out this thing? The first thing I'm going to do is open a chart. And the second thing is look at the numbers. So they're they're both important, but like. I don't, and then I, I, you know, I've heard some people say like, oh, I only buy stocks that are profitable. I couldn't, I couldn't own a stock that's not profitable. And I just think like, man, you are cutting yourself off from like some big opportunities like that. Um, Absolutely. So I, you know, I own, I do, I, I do have a, a focus for sure, but, but I try to buy, you know, what I try to do is buy things that are very out of favor. I try to go where, I'll have the least competition and I try to have a very long-term view. So I, and, and I'm, what I'm really trying to do is make money. So money comes from stock movement. Money does not come from, um, you know, reading books and, and being the smartest and finding the most complex situation. So I try to find stocks that I think have the best chance of making a big movement. And then I try to capture that. And that, that comes a lot. I think the way you're approaching this comes from the fact that you, you weren't really a financial guy coming into this. You know, you were an engineer, and, and no. so you, you didn't come into it with that kind of very um, you know, rigid approach. Mm-hmm. And that is that, that is a problem. You know, a lot of you know investors I come across, or even like you know Todd along the way when I was uh, when I was doing when I was younger, was you know they, they came from the, my the best some of the best investors I ran into were not even in finance at all. You know, and they just had a different way of looking at a company and looking at businesses. Um, more on the qualitative, qualitatively, you know, understanding the business more because you know it wasn't really. Um, and the numbers thing is like, like you know, when you're investing long term, like you are, you know, I, I, I am also. It's who can, you know, you can't really look at the next twelve months and try to value the company. It might not. Who cares? You know, the, the question, like you said, is, will this company be a lot bigger maybe in five, ten years, right? And what we're looking at now is, um, you know, really meaningless. And something else resonated with me too when you're talking about, I um, mean, you know, the not. Um, willing to buy companies that aren't losing, there are losing money. Um, and I know, and that's even more so now. And there's actually a situation where some companies that look really cheap are cheap for a reason, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they might be, be risky or just be shitty companies. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I remember when I first started investing, it was like, hey, I'm only going to buy, you know, profitable companies. And it took me a, long, a while to get out of that kind of comfort zone. And that's where you find a lot of multi-baggers. Mm-hmm. No one's looking at them, right? And yeah. nobody wants them. So that's yeah. that's. And, that's I think you said you avoid certain areas too, though. You do, you do tend yeah, so, to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So what I'm looking for is really like very small companies. So this, so most of my holdings, like the market caps are less than 5 million or 10 million. So I own like 50, 60 stocks. Um, they're pretty evenly spread. Some of them are very small percentages. My biggest is maybe, um, maybe 10% or 8% of my portfolio right now. Um, I'm, I'm looking for very, I, I want small and I want low stock price and low um, share count and I want it illiquid. And so this is because like, if you look at, you know, there, there's been studies like um, that kind of show the, the smaller you go, the more illiquid you go, the better the returns are. So generally I'm trying to fish in that pond and if you're trying, I'm trying to find the biggest stock movement that I can. And that comes from, you know, it's supply and demand. So if there's a lower share count, 
the stock's going to move more. If it's more illiquid, when that news hits, it's right. going to move more. And so, and also like if the stock price is low. So sometimes people will like say, what do you think of this stock? And it's cheap. It's at, you know, whatever half a book or something. But then the stock price is like $1,000. Like, I'm not going to touch that because like, $1,000 stock doesn't jump to 2000 very often, but like a one cent stock jumps to two cents all the time. Right. And that's like a logical thing too, but other investors looking at that, right? Like it's a movement of price is important, right? Oh, it's for, yeah, for sure. Like a big part, like people forget, like some people, they get too intellectual and they're just looking at what, what's the intrinsic value of this stock. Well, you have to think also like the stock price is that intrinsic value. Plus it's like what the public perception is. And so the public if they see this one cent stock all of a sudden get a big contract, like they have no problem bidding it up to four cents, right? Which I just made a bunch of money, but to them it's nothing because it's only four cents. Right. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm looking, and then also I'm looking at, I also try to look at charts and look at something that's trading like at a five year low, 10 year low. Like I want, I want a low flat spot in the chart. That's why actually I didn't buy um, FarmChem because it was at like a 10 year high, which I really, it's hard, <laughs> hard for me, you know? Right, right. That's where we're a little different. I mean, I, I, and I, I'll, momentum investing is part of what I've, I've done for years. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how that's how I started. And then I've evolved into what you're talking about now is like looking at these, um, I'll look for these really, really bad charts, right? Yeah. And that, and they're up here and then they're flat lining for years. And that, that first little small tick, you know, and that, you, you, combined with some good news you start seeing some stuff that's really an awesome chart yeah yeah i'm 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 doing something similar i'm trying to find these ones that like you know if it it used to be really high and now it's really low and it's been flat for years you know and volume has dried up that tells you like the public doesn't care they've forgotten about it and this this is the the time when you can accumulate and there's not that many people watching it and there's not that many people owning it so when news comes like if something happens, if you're lucky enough that something happens, it's going to shoot way up. Absolutely, absolutely. So you, you talked about, you, you, I guess you own a lot of stocks. You said these are 40 yeah. stocks. Yeah. So your uh, your concentration versus diversification. I think you touched upon it. You so you you don't mind being diversified. Yeah. Um, and um, talk about you know that process. I mean, do you ever do do you ever? What is your biggest position you will take? I think you mentioned it earlier. Well, I I will go more concentrated. I just like what I see is all these, you know, I hold about 50 stocks. And if you ask me, like one of the things you asked me about is like a favorite stock pitch, like for for later on here. And I'm like, I'm having trouble because like (laughs) I have so many of these that I just think like this stock has the potential to go up 10x, you know, and like every day I wake up before market and I and I refresh my holdings and I see like and I'm just like, some, something's going to be jumping. I just always feel like something's going to be jumping, but I don't know which one. And so I hold all these ones because I think they all have this potential, but I don't really know which one is going to go. But sometimes, you know, one of them looks extra great, extra special. And so I'll go heavier. So I have a couple right now that are like 10-ish percent, 5 to 10%. Um, my biggest like win is was Hemacare, H-E-M-A, which got bought out last year or early this year that one i bought like you know 30 cents 50 cents and it got bought out for 25 bucks that one yeah that was a monster i mean that one had yeah that one is like a life changer and that one 
that one I went up to like 30% of my portfolio with. So I, I will go heavier, but that one, it just looked like so good that I just kept on buying it. Like, how, how are you buying it into that whole thing? What was your last, your highest buy, you remember? Uh, it was around a buck. Okay. Uh, my lowest was like 25 cents. And I bought mostly over like six months until it was like, my average was around 50 cents. So I was buying just, um, you know, every few weeks or something. So the way, the way I, so I, right now I invest all of my retirement money, all of my wife's retirement money, and then some additional money that we've like, you know, savings, whatever that was just sitting in the bank earning nothing. Um, when I started out, I started out just with like 5% of my 401k, which was in some mutual funds. And so I, what I did was just over time, as I got more comfortable, I kept taking more and more of it and I would buy stocks with it. And so every few weeks I would take over a chunk and I would look at what could I buy today? And I would see Hemacare and I would think like, man, that looks good. They win again and I would buy another chunk. And then a few weeks later, I would, I would repeat. And so that one just kind of built up. So you, you, you know, you have a little more common appearance than you think, because he used to buy a ton of stock. Yeah, you know, he would have hundreds and thousands of stocks actually. So yeah. I feel like the industry, he would go buy every stock in the industry and then systematically remove the ones he didn't like. He just wanted to watch the whole thing. So, um, well, I mean, so you do, you're more of a long-term investor and, yes. and um, do you sprinkle any kind of short-term strategy around that at all? Or you? Um, no, I mean, what I do is, that? sorry, what was that? Like any, do you look for inflection points sometimes for short-term kind of moves? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking a lot, like one of my favorite books is um, Greenblatt's, like, um, you can be a stock market genius, whatever that one about, like looking for inflection points. So I'm always looking for change. That's what that's what happens a lot of times. With Hemacare, it was like they were this company, they were selling off their old, they got new management, they were selling off old divisions, and they started a new division. And that new division happened to really like, you know, catch fire. So it was change. It's always change. Like if things stay the same, then then like nothing happens, right? So it's always comes back to some kind of change. Right. Um, so that's what oftentimes gets me to buy into a stock is that, you know, I'm looking at it. This one's cheap. Like, okay, if something's just cheap, I'll buy it, but I won't make it that big a position and I'll just kind of sit there with it. Like if something, if there's active change going on, like something new and exciting is happening, like that gets me more excited to buy more of it. Um, for sure, I plan to hold like long term. I have no no problem holding like, you know, I haven't been in it for decades, but that's my plan. I have stocks that I've held for five, six years. Um, and I think that is one of, you know, that's one of my edges is that a lot of people will sell out, um, not stay in it that long. You know, I buy a lot of these stocks. If you buy a stock that's at like a 20 year low on the chart, one of the reasons I buy is because I think like, it, how can it go lower? Like, right. If you look at over the last 20, 30 years, what has happened in the world, how technology has changed, how like, you know, geopolitical things have changed. And then if the stock, this is the lowest it's ever been, then you kind of have this confidence. It's not going to go lower. So I'll buy just thinking like sometime over the next 10, 20 years, something will happen. I don't know what or when, but something will happen as long as they survive. Mm -hmm. it'll go higher. Do you find yourself, um, in, when you look at the stocks in your portfolio, are you buying more old school, old management teams? Like, you know, or, or are you are you buying any newer company companies? Like, and have you kind of looked at that at all, your portfolio? Yeah. Anybody there with any, any company that's been like a 10-year-old company or are they all like 20, 30, 40-year-old companies you're buying? No, some of them are newer for sure. Like some, some are new. I own, um, 
yeah, there, there's some that are old. You know, there's some like oh, I own this one Moro MR uh, CR. They're they're like uh, construction HVAC, and it's like this this family has been running it for 50 years. So I, I own a number of those, and some of those the thesis is just that like the CEO is really old, and so something has to happen. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love those because you, know, you you have these old companies sticking around and and. They they weather the storm. So if anything, you know, any, if someone new comes in or something, they've just proven they can stick around for all this time. That when something good does happen, they usually eventually, maybe obviously, always can do. They often do. You can have a big little nice catalyst there. Right, and it's yeah. just like a lot of times in my head, at least, it's this binary question of will the company survive? Right. So if they survive another ten years, the stock has to be higher than it is right now because it's so low, and so. If they can just survive, like something will happen. News will hit, or like someone will pump it up, or like the business will improve, or they'll sell it, or like something will happen. Um, there's one I own, Hydromer HYDI, that it's like at a buck thirty right now, and it's one of those where it was this this guy who ran it for like thirty years, and it was the dad, and well, he he, you know, they went dark. They stopped filing, the stock trailed down and it was at like 50 cents, which was the lowest point in like 30 years. And so that's where I was buying a bunch of it. And then he ran into health problems. He ended up dying and his son took over and the stock's at 50 cents. The son sells one of their divisions for a buck 60 and pays out a 25 cent dividend. And then he moves the company and he's like reinvigorated. The website is all new. Like they're putting out like you know, this year they put out these press releases about like hand sanitizer for like, you know, coronavirus and all this stuff. And the big thing that's changed is just that like the old management's gone. And now it's this guy's son who is like, you know, I don't know, more eager, like has a shorter, like, you know, and well, it's building, building and sell it probably. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's good with me. You know, have you had a lot of your, I mean, you talked about human care. Have you know? Have you had a good amount of your stocks uh, become acquisition targets? Um, yeah, yeah. There's there's been there's been a number of them. So I own Radva RDVA. Um, they got bought out earlier this year. They were a dark one that they did like uh, foam packaging something. Um, another buyout I had this year was um, ASNB. They they were this like biomedical thing. Right. You know, I was hoping that would turn out better in the end, didn't you? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it didn't. It it could have gone for more, for sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, so when you um, if you when you, back to your kind of when you trying to build your bucket of ideas, uh, you know, I, I know you you probably go to OTC markets and do your research there. You, you probably look at whatever financials you can find. Um, but um, how are you just building that pipeline? Are you, you going through the alphabet? Are you actually running screens somehow? I mean, are you? I know you have a guy you talk to. Yeah. Uh, maybe you talk about this. Is it just, just reading press releases? I mean, so like people send me ideas. Like I don't, I don't really search for ideas. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, I like so when I started out, like I said, I was following all these blogs, right? And I was following people on Twitter, and I was following all these people. You know, I was following Geo Investing. I was following all these people on Seeking Alpha, and you start to find people that you think think alike, right? And their ideas are good ideas and I like them. And so you start finding ideas, like that's how I was finding ideas. And then eventually I started my blog and you know, what I write about, there's a certain community that is excited about these small stocks, right? 
and it's a small community and those people are passionate. And so I started writing and I didn't really think about it, but then people started emailing me and, and, you know, on Twitter, it happens sometimes, but more through my blog, like people will send me an idea just like, oh, you, you like this one. What do you think about this one? Or it'll be someone who's just trying to learn and they like my posts and they start giving me ideas. Um, most of my ideas have come from this one guy, like you said, I, so I met this guy who's, um, he's my mentor. He's been, he's like a broker. He's been doing it for like 40 years and he's always been focused in these little stocks. And so he just knows everything. He reads all the press releases, all the everything every day. And he'll just send me like one liner emails, like, Oh, check out, you know, whatever the stock ticker. <laughs> or he'll just say, Hey, look at these. I was buying some stocks. He owns hundreds of stocks like four or 500 stocks or something. And so he'll just send me a list of like 10 tickers, like check these out. And so, and so I keep all these things, like I write them down. And so I have this big long list of a couple hundred stocks from him. I have lists of other stocks from like, you know, random people who have just like sent me ideas. And so what I do is just like, I can never keep up. Right. I, I try to research and reply to people who ask my opinion. And in the process, I find stocks and then, um, you know, I'll look back through that list, the ones that I don't own and just look for what, you know, what is down a lot this year that someone told me about last year. Right. Okay. And, and go from there. But I don't, you know, I, I don't screen anywhere. Like when someone sends me an idea, like first I'll pull up the chart. Is it at a low point? Is it illiquid? Is the market cap low? Then I'll pull up some, you know, OTC markets like, okay, is the share count low? Um, you know, do they have a bunch of preferred or other crap and and start looking at the numbers and go from there? Yeah, I, I take it you, you believe cap, uh, capital structure is very important to you in terms of... Yeah, yeah. So I know you've talked about that too, having a low share count. Like that's, that's like one of the first things I look at is the share count. Um, how has it changed over the years? Um, some of the best ones like... Um, you know, IEHC is one I own that has done very well. And they're like this, where it was like, it was this old guy, he handed it over to his son and they've had the same 2.3 million shares for like decades, you know, like just recently they started giving some to insiders, right. To, to motivate, but yeah, I'm ideally the stock has like less than 10 million shares outstanding. Um, any more than that. And like, and like, I don't really like it. Like Greystone, I kind of have an issue with because they have like 30 million shares, which I don't really like, but the, right. numbers, the numbers still look good. So I own some, you know, I own some that violate that um, mm -hmm. because it's like, it's still cheap. And if they just did a re like a split, they could, they could change that. Um, but I think it's important. And, and there's like two reasons. So you talk about it as far as like quality of the company and keeping things tight. Like that's for sure. The other reason is supply and demand. Like the less shares there are, just the more it's going to move. Like once there's some news hits or, um, you know, someone pumps it up or there's an article or some good, good results or whatever. Right. So let's talk about, um, you know, some of your the good and bad. So let's just talk about a few, like, I, I think I asked you, let's do it. Maybe talk about one of your, your worst idea, worst picks you've ever made. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got some of those. The one that got away. And I guess Hemacare might be your best one, I guess. So, but you kind of already covered that. Hemacare, Hemacare is for sure the best one. Like that, that's my one that, so that one on average, I don't know. I probably made ADX. Um, wow. And yeah, I had made it a big part of my portfolio. So that was really, really a big one. Um, 
But it, so on one page on my blog, I post um, my blog performance where I keep the price of every stock I've written up, which is, I don't know, 20 or 30 stocks at this point. Um, and then what's the price after six months, one year, two year, three years, and then like currently. And so people can see all the stuff I write about, like how it does. And so some of them go to the moon, some of them go down to nothing. You can see there's some that are down 90%, 95%, and I still hold them. Um, so one of those, probably my biggest loser percentage-wise is um, the stock ticker has changed like three times, and that's one of the that's one of the issues. But it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, just a minute, let me grab my notes here real quick. So it was WPCS when I bought it, I and this that. was like this was like I don't know six seven years ago. So I bought it. I made it a couple percent of my portfolio. They were doing like. Um, they would do wiring for like if you were building a hospital and you needed someone to run all the wires through your oh, building. Right, right. These guys, yeah, yeah. So, and they were they were trying to turn around. The stock was this just like, I mean, the chart was just straight down and it was a falling knife and I tried to catch it and, you know, I didn't. But like they were selling off divisions. So what got me excited is this potential for change, right? Like you talked about, it's, I was, I was trying to catch this inflection point. They were like selling off divisions so they could stay alive. And they were down to like one division left. And it was this like industrial wiring or whatever you want to call it, electrical contractor business. And it was profitable on its own. And so I thought like, okay, they can grow from this. And they, they like, that was in California, I think. And they tried expanding to Texas and that did not go well. So they closed that like after a year and the stock kept falling. I mean, at this point I'm down like 95% on it. The, the holding is like, you know, a couple hundred bucks or something now, but they, so they changed. So they, a few years ago, then they had a merger with um, Dropcar and they changed the ticker to DCAR and Dropcar was this startup in New York and their business model was like, you know, in New York or San Francisco, like you have no place to park your car, maybe Chicago. And so they would come take your car when you got home and they would drive it to one of their parking facilities and park it there. And so instead of you trying to find a parking spot, they would come to you, take it there. And then they would all offer other services like oil change or car wash or whatever. And so I already owned it. I thought, okay, I might as well just hang on maybe, to it. Maybe, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe. And it spiked up. It went up like 300%. And, and on that news, and but I didn't sell. I missed it just for what <laughs> And it continued going down. And then they they changed again to AYRO recently, like this year, which is another, their AYRO, they do like three-wheeled electric cars that you'd find like in a, in a parking structure or on like a college campus or something. And so... If Biden pulls it off, you might get a pop in this one. <laughs> <laughs> so. they, yeah, earlier this year, it did have a spike. It did go up 100, 200% earlier this year when there was like a bunch of EV, like maybe that was when Tesla took off or something. A bunch, all the EVs were moving and AYRO took off. But but like I was still down. It went from me being down 95% to 90%. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I just, I didn't even do anything about it. I just held it. And so I still- feel any better. I lost money in WPCS too, by the way. I All right. I, yeah. I, <laughs> so, I remember that. I, but I, I didn't, I, I, I sold it for a loss, but you know, <laughs> it was, it was a bad day in my life. I remember that. I, I remember it now. 
That's funny. Like that. Yeah. Um, you want another one? Another loser? Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Give me, make, make me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> so I got one that I don't think they exist anymore, but they still trade, which is which is a kind of interesting thing on the OTC markets. So um, soft tech, S O F T. Uh huh. I, this one. This one. I wrote up on my blog a couple. I mean, I wrote up WPCS uh, years ago as well, but I wrote up soft tech. Um, a few years ago, I still hold the shares. They were they were this company that did product lifecycle management software. So if you're a company that makes products and you have like, you know, you need to keep track of your old old products, your new products, like what version of software and hardware is in these different products you're selling to people in case you have to do a recall or whatever. I don't know. They make software to manage all that whole like thing. But they they had this new division. So I get excited about these companies that have like this, this kind of old stuff, and then they're trying something new, right? Because the new thing might work out and it might be Hemacare. And so they had this new product that they called HomeView, which was like, they talked about it like it was Carfax for a homeowner. So it would, it would like keep track of the house's history. And like, when you have to get your HVAC serviced, or like when was the roof replaced or like things like that. Okay. And so they were all hot on it and they thought it was like, you know, the greatest thing. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell my, my voice, how it turned out. But so I bought, <laughs> I bought like, oven breaks. I know it's time to get the new oven, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. What ended up is like, people are not that motivated. Like people are too lazy for this product, but like, <laughs> so I bought it for a couple bucks and then it started trailing down. They ended up selling off their legacy. Um, like the stock was at like bouncing between 50 cents and a buck and they sold off their legacy division for like $1.90 in cash. So I was right that it was cheap. But, you know, the question is, what do they do with that buck 90 in cash? And they sunk it into home view. And then a cash. year later, a year later, they put out a press release about how they like everything is for sale, like the stock ticker. The, the operating losses, you know, like the shelving, the IP, everything was for sale and they disappeared oh. and you didn't hear from it anymore. And so the stock went down to like five, 10 cents. And what's interesting is they filed, they never filed to deregister from the SEC. They never, they just like stopped communicating. I'm like, who cares? Cause they're, they don't exist. Like I tried contacting them, but the stock would still trade. And then they filed, um, let me see just one second. So they, in, a year ago, they finally filed the form 15 to deregister. So they had not filed anything for like two years. And once the form 15 got filed, all this activity picked up and someone, a couple of people contacted me. And, you know, it was these, it was these people who they, they try to find companies that are coming back from the dead and like, um, you know, reverse merging into or whatever. And so now that the form 15 was filed, people thought, Oh, they're cleaning up the capital structure so they could sell it to a new, like a new, I don't know, new business that wants to be public. And so there's been some activity recently. I I just held it and I'm just sitting there. I've never seen that thing tick up recently on the, on, the, on the new high list, right? I mean, or maybe, maybe I'm. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you have a hundred bucks, you can move the stock. So like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So talk, I mean, I have a, you know, we'll talk again. I have a bunch of those in my. I'm still holding it. I just call them the graveyard. <laughs> At least they have everything else, the low cap structure, you know, I mean, no debt, you know, 
it's just, maybe something good happens that happens, right? I just never sell that's, them. That's what that one was. And it was small. They had like the good capital structure. It was a liquid and they had all this cash because they sold off this old division. But in the end, the new business like was a bomb. And it's cool that you're talking, but what's awesome here about being a long investor that you're just you're talking about all the, you know, you had some of these war stories, right? But you've you've earned over, I think, 50% a year for the last, you know, several years. And even with these bad, you know, some of these bad investments, you know, you only need a few to do really well. And, and I think you're, you're experiencing that. And and I think you're just going to, I looked at some of your portfolios, some nice little stocks you got there. So that's, that's, that's what I'm betting on, really. Yeah. And it's, I had a big one earlier this year, Biomerica, BMRA. They like that one I bought and it sat flat for a few years. And then they put out a press release about coronavirus tester, whatever thing, like in March. And the stock went from three bucks to 20 bucks. And it was a big holding for me. And I happened to capture that. And so, you know, that one win makes up for many losses. That was funny about that one is um, I owned a little bit of it, you know, prior, you know, prior to the move. And we, we, we talked about we, a geo for a little bit. It wasn't a big position. But, um, but PCHM, as you know, Pharma is kind of in that kind of testing area. And I, and I was trying to figure out, like, who my portfolio might get a boost from this whole coronavirus thing from the testing angle. And I had called up a farm cam. He's like, yeah, we, we're not going to, this isn't really, our technology doesn't do this, but by America might. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> he was he just looked, he, he knew what they did and thought, you know, there would be more of a, if anyone's going to do anything with it that I talked about, that would be the one. So I bought a little more of it just in case. Yeah. You can make, you can make a lot of money if you do that. Like when there's something, you know, when there's, some big natural disaster or some big thing in the news, like those stocks move. They do, yeah. Well, what was interesting about coronavirus, I mean, I don't know how, how, when you were, how, what you thought about it, but when that all happened, I wasn't sure how a lot of these smaller companies that I have were going to um, react to it. And what was pretty interesting was even these small companies, they find ways to survive. Yeah. They find ways to reinvent themselves sometimes, you know, which I thought was awesome. And, you know, a lot of my stocks I own down the, in the OTC and, um, I have a lot of NASDAQ companies too. There are microcap and microcap also. They just found a way in, um, to benefit from it. And that's like a central theme in my investing is this like this idea that they'll survive. Right. And, you know, if they survive, because a lot of them, they go through, if you look at, if you just open up a chart and just look back 30 years, like if you open up Hydromer and just look back 30 years, you'll see these times when the stock is at a buck and then you'll see times when it's at five or 10 bucks. And it's like, you know, you could go back in time and we could be having the same conversation. Like they, their product was dying and they were trying something new and it happened to work out and then the stock shot up. Right. And so, you know, a lot of these ones I buy, like sometimes people will tell me, oh, that one doesn't seem so cheap. Like, why do you own that? And it's like, well, like it's at a low point in the chart. It's share count is low, you know, like it's cheap on the numbers and just if they don't die over the next 10 or 15 years, like I think something's going to happen and I just hope I'll be able to capture it. Right. And, and it's, it's, and it, it just happens. I know we, I have one now that we, we recently bought IAIC hmm. and it's in that same kind of, and they, they do, they help, they help um, government agencies um, uh, modernize their IT and databases basically. I, um, infrastructure and it was one of those things it was it's been around since i think like 19 like maybe 85 or something some crazy amount maybe maybe longer than that and 
just sitting there for years, you know, no debt, you know, a decent cash position and not really growing. Um, and all of a sudden they just got this, re- this new contract, a seven year contract, mm-hmm. and it's going to basically put them on the map and it's still taking forever people, for people to find it. But it was one of the, in the stock, you know, I bought it originally like at 40 cents and it went all the way down to 10 cents. Like, I don't care. It's, it's going to happen at some point. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. It happened that they were actually, what was interesting about that story was that this is a great dark story because the company actually um, had won a contract and the incumbent um, holder of that contract protested the company getting it. So they could, even though they won the contract, they couldn't execute on it. Hmm. And in the first quarter of, and they were really not putting press release down anyway. They kind of gave up because they were like you know, talking to the market because they had high hopes for a while. And um, in the Q, and, and the, when the first quarter ended, um, and I didn't catch this, uh, there was a line in the 10Q um, um, in the filing that, and they still file, by the way. It's funny because this, this is like a small nano cap, but they still want to file, like old school management team. They want to be around, you know, and um, they want to go out on top. And in the filing, it's, it's, it's basically said they won the tent, the, 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 the incumbent withdrew their protest. Now, I didn't even see it yet. And then the stock's sitting there like at 10 cents, you know, for all this time, right? And then a Q, the Q2 comes out. And let, me, let me read the Q3 report closer to the side. And it was in, it was, that's when I saw it. Yeah. And it had, you know, I bought some at 25, 30 cents and that, and, and along the way there. But it was sitting there for three months now, two, three months. You could just buy all you wanted at 10, 15 cents. And then they put a press release out finally after Q2. And it, it's 70 cents right now. But it's, you know, it's pretty awesome how in these dark companies you can find, like PCHM writes, shareholder letters yeah. on their website yeah. and they were a year behind. <laughs> it wasn't until recently that they started putting out current kind of well, biannual kind of letters. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, it's pretty, I love the space, man. I love it. Even, even when, you know, I'm, I'm going to get killed by the way tomorrow on my stocks. So <laughs> it was a sobering moment here, but even with the bad, um, the, the bad ones, um, it's, it's really rewarding because these stocks just so, they can move up so much multiples and yeah. make up for the bad stuff. So what's yeah. one you missed? What's, what's one you wish you would have had that you didn't buy? You got to uh, have some of those. Oh my God. There's, I mean, there's some I've sold too early that kept going. There's so many that I, I should have bought, you know, my, my, my friend, my mentor who sends me these ideas, like he'll, he'll send me, Oh, I hope you own, um, Oh, you know, TTLO, they had this buyout for Toratel. The, the, the stock was at a buck and then they, they had this buyout offer for seven and then it, it fell through and it sat down like at two bucks for a while. This was this year. Um, and then they got another buyout offer and they actually followed through. I forget what the final number was, but um, they, really got, they got a second buyout offer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually happening now. Oh, man. Um, There's six dollars, six, six bucks. Yeah, exactly. So they, you know, my friends told me about this one for years. They're dark. I have the reports upstairs right now. And it was just like, you know, it was another one of these companies that if you looked at it, it didn't look any different from so many of the ones I own that it's just like, it's this kind of cheap, dark, whatever little company. It's probably worth something, but it hasn't moved in a decade. So, you know, what's the rush? And then... Um, <laughs> what I find amazing is that as much, and it's maybe kind of, people want to believe this, but you know, I think if you're an individual investor, this is the area you should be playing in. 
Oh yeah, for sure. If you're going to be at all, you know, any type of, you know, more than casual investor, you know, it's not Tesla. It's, it's not these, it's, it's these, this is where you can make 10, 20, 30, 40 times your money. And the perception of risk is really, I think, misplaced. Um, sure, there, there, there is risk, but some of these companies have been around for a long time, we've talked about, and they're real companies. And you're getting them at prices where you basically discount that risk. You're getting such cheap prices. And if you get enough of those in your portfolio, right, is what you're basically saying yeah. is that, you know, you kind of spread that risk around you can, and you can make so much money on these things. And um, and when we people talk about risk, they, they, just, they don't know how to separate is what, I, my, is what kind of what I've kind of experienced, the business risk from the liquid volatility or liquidity risk. You know, that volatility and liquidity isn't really, it's, it's risking your portfolio, but it's, it's your emotional risk, right? How, how much emotional risk can you take, you know, for either not, stock not moving at all, right? <laughs> or, or too volatile. Yeah, it's also um, your opportunity. Yeah, yeah. But the businesses, you know, if you, if you really analyze these businesses, a lot of them aren't as risky as people think they are. They're actually sometimes more stable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes these companies are in small markets, right? They're never going to be penetrated by larger companies. You know, like like uh, ESCC, for example, is one of those. Yeah. Um, that they're protected. And if they find a way to expand that market, that's some great ones, right? Like even, I think you own AIFS, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which we both we both own that. And you bought it at thirty cents. I bought it two three dollars. But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's water under the bridge. But I, I have I've been interviewing um, Paul Cope, the CEO, for some time there, and that's a situ- that's a situation where they have this dominated small market mm-hmm. that if anything goes right, okay, they, this thing they can become a huge market for them, and. Um, I love those because no one's and he this this is a great when we're, when I was talking to him that AIFS is a library management solution company right it's software maybe you want to talk about it you because you, you own it longer than I do sure so I mean I didn't buy it at thirty cents I bought maybe I don't know it was closer to a dollar but I think okay. less than a buck so I that one I first saw uh, I don't know five eight years ago they were they were dark so what caught me caught my attention was they had deregistered and they were not filing and um, but they were talking about how they would. So, you know, sometimes these guys, like, I don't know the situation with them, but I've owned some like Moro, MRCR, um, they had stopped communicating it as well. And it's because their CFO was this like 80 year old guy who ran into health problems. And they only had like 10 people at the company. And so a lot of times you run into these things with these little companies where they just like, they stop communicating just because like the situation arises and it's the same person who's talking to you who also does payroll and who also is their sales department, you know? <laughs> and like, anyway, so a- agent information, they had deregistered. And um, so that's what caught my eye. And it was, I don't know, 50 cents or something. I think I bought it 75 cents or something around there. But yeah, they do this kind of like the card catalog. Like from when I was a kid, I would go to the library and, and go through the card catalog and you'd have to find your book manually. Um, they, they, they automate it and then they join libraries together. So they have this kind of database software that's focused on libraries which is a great industry and it's a great idea because libraries like haven't changed in forever and so as they build their network like their moat just keeps growing and growing and they keep announcing these new contracts with like some new state or like the department of education in some state or you know and so the the cool the cool thing about those dance too is that so when they have you're talking so they have that um it's called Verso, I think, which is their kind of card catalog type of yeah. back office management software. Then they have this thing called Share It, which mm-hmm. is 
the lending system, right? So basically, um, uh, once a state adopts the share it program, the share it thing, every library has to adopt it. First of all, so it's not even so it's it's awesome. So a state the state decides if they're going to buy share it. So that you know anywhere from two hundred to four hundred thousand to four thousand dollars um, a year, and they're usually three year contracts. So you know it's awesome. So now you have these states again, and sticky, right? And it's a moat because the libraries have to use it. They all got, they have no choice but to use it, mm. you know, and they're in long-term contracts. And, you know, if they get every, if they were to get every, you know, library you're talking or, you know, t- 10 to $20 million opportunity. Yeah. I mean, every, if you got every, every state, for example, but it's not really a, that's not a huge market, right? Mm-hmm. 10 million on low side and 20 million high side. But, you know, it's there, it'll be their market. What kind of multiple, yeah. and, what could, and that's going to be year after year after year cash flow, right? Yeah. And, and um, you know, if they find any way to kind of um, grow that business in the other areas, which they which they're trying to do right now. Um, but what's funny thing he said was, this is when I was interviewing um, Paul, he's like, yeah, I mean, the market's too small. Everyone who was in it's leaving it. <laughs> so in that, in that particular part of it. Yeah. And, and that's, what's great about these smaller companies. And that to me is, is a, is, is more durable business than a Tesla, right? Or you yeah. think at least you would think, right? From a perception of business risk. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. so that's just, there's a lot of those companies out there. Yeah, for sure. And there's just less, there's less eyeballs looking at it. So you have more of a chance of finding like a real deal. You know, it's like, I moved away from these big companies, just a lot of it, just because like, there's so many people why do you think, like, what makes me think I'm smarter than all these research departments at these big hedge fund firms, you know, at finding these opportunities? Like, when I can go into these, you go into these tiny little nano cap, micro cap, dark stocks, like, there's no one else. There's like me, you, and like, you know, 10 other people looking at them. Right. Who's, who's talking about AIFS? Like, right? There's no one. And they're not even going to care. I mean, you could not, you could not, you could not convince someone to buy a stock, right? You could tell right. them everything. And they won't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's so, and that's what I love about it too. It's like, you know, um, it's, you'll be the only one buying these things sometimes. I know too, like when I, when I see my companies I own graduate from the OTC, like the NASDAQ, I get, I get a little, it's exciting at first because you get that money, but then I'm like, great. Now they got to meet estimates. If they have a bad quarter, like I'm going to get crushed tomorrow. This one stock, I'm telling KRMD, by the way. Oh. <laughs> they were great to me on the OTC. You know, they got listed. It was great. But now, now they got to meet estimates every quarter. Um, you got, and I mean, I'm not these, now they have brokerage coverage. Yeah. So they're going to have that information flow is going to come through them first before it comes to the market. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's also, just- a, lot, a lot of times it's easier to follow the little ones. Like they're simpler. They just do one thing. They're you know the the report is like ten pages. Yeah, it's um, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they just like they put out a few press releases, maybe here and there if you're lucky. Um, but it's just it's a lot easier to digest. You don't have to go reading some two hundred page ten k that's just has like so many subsidiaries that you don't know what to what to make of it. Right, right. I think you and I first. Connected on was it EKCS? Was that the one we connected on? I yeah, I think so. Probably the first time we talked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was the, that was when it all started. Yeah, I, I still own that by the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that one's still. I'm still waiting on that one. That one. Yeah, that one also. It's run by. So, did you see they recently filed a whole bunch of reports? Yeah, they're getting current. Yeah, they. I mean, they've done that before, but that's a, it's a similar thing where it's this old guy like he. He wants to leave on top though. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know? And uh, he's been doing it. And he's like, is he, he's probably 80 now or 75, something like that. Yeah. And like years ago, they did the same thing where they had stopped communicating for a couple of years and then they got all current with like two years worth of filings and then they stopped again. I didn't know that. Great. <laughs> I was excited for a second. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I know that, you know, I think if it wasn't for Corona, they had maybe some pretty good things coming along the way. But now like the, the government funding for what they do is like stopped apparently. So. Yeah, that was yeah, it's like it's exciting. Like they have these, and then they have these big like IDIQ contracts. I guess they'll probably never get filled, but um, right. but they're sticking around. They're six five six cents. They do yeah. perimeter security, right? For anyone who's listening, the um, perimeter security kind of structures and software for for they were for prisons and um, for military um, yeah. establishments or whatever. Um, but I think and they were doing some drone thing too. So I think you know the company has a lot of like. Um, things or directions they can go here. It's a it's a funding issue though. I think right now and they're trying to and the company's been self funding. Yeah, but that's a great example of something. Just like if you stick, maybe if we stick around long enough. <laughs> I don't know if we're I don't know if we're tempting fate now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, some, something has to happen. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> uh, so do you have, you ever want to become a full time investor? Is that ever one of your goals? Uh, you, you uh, it is now. Yeah, I've been thinking more about it. Um, you know, what I, what I do is really, so I, so that I do this like part-time, it's kind of my hobby. Like I blog and I look at stocks like at night or at lunch break, whatever. Um, and I, you know, I have a good job, I get paid well and I have to support my family. So that's the main thing. Um, but like my, you know, my investment funds have been growing over the years. And so I'm getting closer to the point where potentially I could, uh, stop being an engineer and just, just only invest. Um, we'll see if what I, did, what, what did your white family think about you doing this, you know, going to the, the dark side? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny. Cause I'll, I'll tell my wife about something and she just supports it, you know, but she doesn't really, you know, she just is like, Oh, that's great. Um, I tell, I, it's so weird. Like I'll tell like my, I tell my brother, my uncle, you know, like I tell them, Oh, you know, like my results have been really, really good. Like I've averaged like 50% for seven years since I started, which is really, really good. And I tell them like, and I'm so excited about it and I'm expecting them to like say something back and they just don't care. You know, of course and, not. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. People just think like, why are you doing that? Like I'm going fishing this weekend. What are you doing? You know, <laughs> well, we're, we're troubled individuals, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's some, so this, I love this. Uh, I was on your website reading this. And I think I don't know what article it was on. Maybe the I think you wrote a recent article on um, a company. Well, your most recent one. What symbol was that? Um, uh, CEMI. Yeah. Yes. I like to buy forgotten, lonely, and and broken, then sell the exuberant and frothy. <laughs> As a once treasured stock tarnishes, the masses move on to the next shiny toy, leaving destruction in their waste and their wake. That's when I get excited. I try to find what has been tossed aside, knowing that if the sun hits just right, the sparkle may bring them back. That's just awesome. Dark, but awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I read that, and it's like that is a perfect example of why um, the reason that individual investors should explore nanocap, biocap, nanocap investing. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm really glad what you're doing, and I mean, I'm, I'm, that we get to talk and. I hope to meet you one day, man. I'd love to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
we talk the same language and I think we get along. Yeah, man. You know, so many of the stocks that I mentioned, so many people just have no idea. And- <laughs> well, they don't want, they just don't want to believe it. They don't want to believe it can happen. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it gets frustrating after a while because you feel like this, like this lonely kind of hated person that you're not even, no thinks you seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're gonna be not buying what everyone else is buying, or Apple yeah. and those guys. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting. That motivates us, I think, to go and keep getting these things. And you know what? And it, what is great about it, man? This market will always be here for us as long as it can. I mean, I mean, no one's ever, no one's in our kind of in the, gonna come here and and entrench in this market. Yeah. Um, so I love it, and it's because it's been it's it's really actually getting better. I think regulatory environment. And you've, you talked about that before. It's gotten worse for this 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 whole uh, universe. So if anything, our edge is just going to get better and better. Scare <laughs> more and more people away. Yeah, you know it's harder. To, it's uh, I remember I was um, there was a company owned. I forget the symbol now. This is maybe two years ago, and um, someone from Geo Investing had emailed me because it was a stock in our website that we were that we were kind of like buying, and he all I got an email all panicking. Oh my god, this is a fraud! It's a fraud! It's a fraud! It's a fraud alert! What are you talking about? Well, I was Meritrade put it on the fraud checklist. And this, by the way, is this by this by the time is when Riot Blockchain is going crazy. You know, a fraud, right? Yeah. <laughs> a not a cat fraud. You could buy all you want of that. So I called up Meritrade. I said, "What the hell's going on here? Why is this on the fraud list?" Well, um, I'll get back to you. Well, it turned out that it was on the fraud and that was the name they used at that time. And they, well, the guy talking to me used the word fraud. He did because it's in trading a volume. Ugh. Well, right. Blockchain was a fraud Yeah, not on the fraud list at that time. Yeah. Right. The whole system is just so screwed up in terms of how they, how they put these labels on these companies. Yeah. It's sad. Even like the OTC markets. I saw you wrote an article about OTC markets and you didn't like what they were doing to some respect, but yeah. you know, like these companies are, Forced to have to spend money to come out of, to re, to write reports, financial reports, the way that OTC wants to do because well, that's how they make their money, right? Or yeah. you get labeled, yeah. Which I, which I think is kind of sucks. Yeah, I talked to, I had a call with with the OTC market CEO. I think they thought I was more important than I really am, but I like emailed them some, <laughs> you know, I emailed them a big list of questions, and they were good questions. And so then I got on the phone with the CEO, the their their general counsel and VP of something or other. And, and I told them all this stuff. And I was like, they have this, so they published this stock designation list, which if you go on OTC markets, you type in a stock that's not reporting up to their standards and it'll have a stop sign. Um, it'll have a skull and crossbones if they think it's really bad. And then those are the ones that like Fidelity won't let you buy those. Um, a lot of brokerages just like subscribe to that list and they use it to filter out what they call risky. Like, oh, it's too risky. You can't buy that. Yeah. I tried the other day just to like see, like, oh, maybe Fidelity has changed their mind, but no, it's, it still can't do it. But I won't, I won't mention the website. You can guess. I don't want to get Bobby and Bobby in trouble over here. Oh, yeah. I call this particular site or this company on uh, a suggestion to let Geo help you kind of call out the the low quality OTC stuff and ah. the top fifty or hundred ones based on certain criteria that we would fix. And they're like, well. Are they going to pay for that? Like, no. <laughs> no, you know, they're not going to pay to get top fifty on the top fifty list. So that they end it right there, right? Yeah. The whole problem with this whole system. Yeah. And uh, mm. I mean, the, the top, the top, 
list of this particular company was based on performance and price of the stock, not not on the company itself, mm. which kind of bothered me a little bit. Yeah, I asked I asked um, OTC Markets. I said like, what you know, why do you have these companies on the stock designation list if they like they file a full report, but it's just like posted on their own website? And they their response was like, well, if it's not in our format, we can't guarantee it has all the information investors want and if they have it on their own website, they could delete it whenever they want or change it or, you know, so like they have their, they have some valid points, but um, yeah. I mean, I, I get it, but you know what, to some degree, it, I don't think it's there, there. I think there's, there could be a better job out here in the, in this, in this financial world of really um, discerning who these quality companies are. And um, I, yeah, you and I are, kind of, you know, you're doing it by what you're doing and you have high quality companies there and hopefully that'll, continue to do that man. i encourage you to do it man so yeah, for sure. bobby's getting mad at me here he's telling me i gotta hang up here or something <laughs> sorry bobby <laughs> i didn't say i didn't for the record i, I said nothing look you were you're you weren't even around for like the last hour and a half and now all right and i know i know you already voted so you didn't you know <laughs> no it was i didn't you know look it was getting hot and where i'm where i'm doing this so i had to I, I had to change all right so well, i turned my I fan just, off with you i just know. turned it i just turned <laughs> hot i'm hot oh you, <laughs> i didn't tell you to turn it off i said it's in the frame you would have complained i complete oh it is not well yeah then i would have complained all right so um <laughs> um really quick do you want to get a pitch and i don't want dan if you don't want to get a pitch i gotta get a pitch that's fine I, i'm the same way when someone asks me to give a pitch i give them five <laughs> I have well, it's like I, I have one. I'll get I'll give you one. But like I what I've been doing, like people ask me what have you been buying recently? And mostly what I buy is what I already own. So like what I buy a lot is because I own all these ones and I'll buy a little bit and then you keep following them. And then as you get more comfortable or as as like I get more money, whatever, I'll buy some more of it. And so like what I've been buying mostly is stuff I already own, like CVV, POLXF, Polydex, like I think you've had that one. Um, um, some other ones that I'm trying to get a bigger position on. Um, but one, one newer one that I've bought over the last few months is CCOM, C-C-O-M. So they, and this one I haven't written about, so I thought I would talk about that one real quick. Um, <clears throat> so they, they do like um, construction, HVAC. It's very similar in my mind to Moro, which I've written up on my website a few times, um, MRCR, uh, which I also own. But CCOM, they... Like they're just cheap if you look at the numbers and cheap and boring and low and illiquid. Like one thing I don't like is the stock is not at the lowest point of the last, you know, 10 years. It's come up some, but like the market cap is about 9 million. It's, it's at almost half of book value, maybe 60% of book value. Revenue is like 100 million. And then they earn, they're, they're profitable, which is like for my company is kind of rare. Most of my stocks are, are money losers that I'm hoping turn it around um, <laughs> or at least survive. But CCOM, they earn, you know, on average about 10 cents a year. Stock is priced like at a buck, um, $10 in revenue, you know. Um, so it's just, it's cheap at the numbers. It's been consistently profitable at least the last, uh, you know, handful of years. This one is kind of interesting on OTC markets. They have the stop sign, even though they file all their reports with OTC markets. And the reason is because they only, at least I think the reason, all they post is financials. There's no report. It's just like balance sheet, income statement, you know, cash flow statement, that's it. So the information is there, but it's got the stop sign. 
and it's just cheap on the numbers. It's not very exciting. Uh, I, think I, I think I actually own like a one share of this. I think this thing is hard to buy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I mean, yeah, most of the ones I own are hard to buy. I'm, I mean, I'll probably keep buying that one. Um, I own some, but I could own more. You know, it's one of those. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely taking a closer look at that. Maybe double that position. <laughs> there you go. Buy two shares. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think I do own a little bit of this one actually, but I can't. I gotta find, I, again, I own like a, so many of these stuff too, just to have them, right? Like you do. Yeah. Yeah, some of them, it's like, it, it comes to me and it's like, check this one out. You look at it like, okay, that one is cheap, you know, okay. I, I have some extra cash. I could buy some of that and just see what happens. Well, well thanks, Dad. I think I've taken enough of your time. And um, I know you want to, you probably want to get over to your TV and see who's won that election. Mm -hmm. <laughs> have an opinion about it tomorrow and what the market's going to do. Yeah. I know I'm not. But <laughs> no, I'm not ready for that. We'll yeah, see. no, no. Oh, well, uh, awesome. Um, so again, why don't you tell us where we, everybody can find you um, yep. on Twitter and your website again, just get a plug again. Yep. So my blog is nonamestocks.com. You can go on there. I have a contact page with my email. Um, I'm on Twitter at nonamestocks. I don't post a whole lot on Twitter other than when I say that I have a new blog post. But um, yeah, on my blog, I, I have a page that I write a little bit about myself. I have a page that has my portfolio, my personal performance and my blog performance. So you can, you know, evaluate how full of it I am. And then just lots of write-ups on these little stocks. <laughs> and uh, you're a Packers fan? I'm a Packers fan. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I grew up in Wisconsin, so like, it's not really a choice. Who are you uh, playing this week? Oh God, I don't know. I haven't followed this year. Coronavirus, man. Because they, they had a really uh, tough game this weekend, right? Yeah, they lost to the Vikings. You know, things, I mean, things have been going better this year than I thought they would. Right. Um, but they're not over the hump. I mean, the defense is not – the defense still struggles with the run game. They got killed last year in the playoffs from the 49ers, and that's still – they, Oh, they're on Thursday. Oh, they're playing the Niners. This should be interesting. They, oh, man. Oh, my, yeah. oh that's a test. That's a test. Well, they just trade. I mean, San Francisco just trade a linebacker. They're having they one start. They, they just lose Garoppolo's the out. Yeah, they've they've had some injuries. They're um, Raheem Mostert, who killed the Packers last year in the playoffs. I think he's injured. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Packers go as Rodgers goes. If he's hot, they're hot. Right. If not, then you know. They need to trade if they could trade for one wide receiver. Just, just get him, get him, get him another slot receiver. Just get him another oh, no. weapon. I mean, it, it would just, it would change everything. I think it's de they lack defense, man. It's like they they do. They're like Devontae yeah. Adams is their one great receiver, but the yeah. defense really. Walt has Don Capers was there. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, got a, Tom got a raw deal. He was good though. He was good. Well, at least we're not Bobby here. It was Bobby's team. I'm a Steelers fan, by the way. Oh yeah. But Bobby is a Giants fan, so. Oh, that's rough. Yes. I mean, look. Yesterday, I, I mean, we were robbed. Shot. We were robbed. That was that was a, what was that? It was a personal foul on a two point conversion. Really? Well, they they you know they they got the touchdown to get within two, and then on the two point conversion, they called. They it was a no call. I think uh, you know the homer in me wants to say uh, I think there was a little too much uh, a little they too lost grabby. Those games they lost I think this year I remember in the last. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, it's so fun being a Giants fan. <laughs> I mean, it's I got to tell you, there's a lot more articles going out there saying uh, maybe it's time to draft a quarterback. So that oh no, I'm I'm very I would be I wouldn't be opposed already. 
Didn't they just the, like, two years ago? The guys had the guys had a, a turnover in twenty out of the twenty one starts he's or games he's played in. Like I think uh, mm-hmm. you know he had one game where he threw four touchdowns, and here we go. We think Danny Dimes is our new savior, and uh, you play uh, Washington this week. You got shot yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, right. No, I don't think so. You always play Dallas. Yeah, you, you probably if you run the table, you could probably still get first place in that division. It's so it's <laughs> actually true. That's that's true. <laughs> I don't want to that because that means we'll keep them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we're out of the running for Lawrence at this point, but I, I think, I think Justin Fields is a, a nice consolation. Yeah, but anyways. all right, well, Dan, all right, all right, Dan, well, thanks so much, Dan. This is awesome. I'm glad we did this. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. This was fun, guys. And uh, let me land the plane real quick. Uh, you can listen to Avoiding the Crowd or where, wherever you get podcasts, or you can listen to it on Podbean at avoidingthecrowd.podbean.com and watch every episode of Avoiding the Crowd on our YouTube channel at uh, www.youtube.com slash SNNWire. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K. Craft, B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. And that's all I got, you guys. This was awesome. You know, uh, I'm not sure if this is going to be going up tomorrow or the next day. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Mike. Bye, Bye, guys. See you guys. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network and Modestway Don are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy, sell, short, cover securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value if we are long and fall if we are short. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast.